every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. And thank you for joining us. This is the Blunderground Railroad. We are trying to go from ignorance to knowledge. Uh, and today we are beginning our first book. And this is the namesake book uh, behind our podcast. Uh, Tom and Steve have their ears to the ground and all they hear is notes from Blunderground. Uh, but uh, that comes from Notes from Underground, which is Freudor Dostoevsky. Uh, what a book uh, and what a chapter. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, when I read this chapter for the first time, you kind of, you don't really think, that you, things aren't going to be the same, you know, because now you've read it and, and, and it sticks with you. Um, that first uh, that first line, I mean, it's, it's classic. Man. I'm a sick man. I'm a spiteful man. I'm an unattractive man. I believe my liver is diseased. Yeah, that first part kind of, Gets, kind of got me down when I started reading it. I was like, well, this is cheery. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Yeah, well, really, there's nothing cheery really about it. Uh, this is our introduction to the Underground Man. So the Underground Man is a character. He doesn't have a name. Mm. We're just going to refer to him as the Underground Man. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we learned that, you know, in the in the intro. He actually uh, he says that. That was like my first indication that this was going to be confusing. Yeah, <laughs> the um, we we kind of see here, we get a sense of the underground man as a person, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, as a person, he's he's pretty he's pretty honest, right? You know, very. I think that's yeah, I'd say very mm-hmm. right. I mean, um, I mean, did you feel that way? He came across as a very honest, straightforward. I don't want to say to a fault, but pretty darn close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really something that we can see in in the themes of the book. So it kind of brings to light the uh, the sense of the sacred. All right, uh, it's a great uh, it's a great observation. It's not my observation. It's actually an observation uh, Oren McIntyre uh, made, and um, I'm going to kind of bring it into our discussion here, uh, basically about the sacred. So a sense of the sacred is what gives us. Uh, our boundaries, all right? So when we establish something sacred in our lives, that we have these areas and these behaviors and these opinions that we will not cross. For example, the institution of marriage, if that is sacred to you, then you are not going to get divorced. And so that's just an example of the sacred applied to someone's life that results in behavior. Uh, And so this is something that we've seen I think, in the 20th century where we've had a loss of this sense of sacred. And we see this in a lot of different areas. But reading this chapter, you see it in the sense of communication. All right, right. So for me, as someone who's in Generation X, and if you're older, I think you, you have this sense that you can go back in your life and you can actually mark the years when things were not allowed to be stated. And then they were, they were allowed to be stated, but only in certain circles. And then they were allowed to be stated 
but only as a reaction. And then they're allowed to be stated implicitly. Mm. And so uh, to, to, to view the underground man, what he writes is so stark and it is so direct that it, it, it is, it's disorienting when you think about it in the terms of our current world. Because in our current world, we don't have gatekeepers on speech any longer. And there's so few things that are restricted by a sense of the sacred that people just... I, I mean, this morning, I, I, I saw... Um, uh, this morning, I was reading, and uh, I, there was a complaint uh, about a school board where they had these, um, they had these, these homosexual, these queer books that they have in the library, and wow. yeah, and so in the discussions, right, and they have them in the library at the public school, and of but uh, any, anyhow, in the discussions are so explicit, and 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 the graphics, they yeah. they post the graphics on there, and these are the these are anti people, not pro people. So even if your argument, even if you're on the other side of the argument. There's no sense of the sacred. I mean, you're just looking at the most explicit stuff. And not that I'm trying to transition into talking about school boards. I'm not. But the underground man here, from his position in the underground, yeah. he, he's lost his filters. Like, like this is a sense of, of this nihilism, all right, this sense of this Russian nihilism. And we talked about it yesterday, yeah. where we're, we're taking everything to its logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. And part of that process is losing this sense of the sacred because there's no place that the underground man won't go. Yeah. You know? No, not at all. With him, with himself, you know, in the, that's the thing about this chapter that, that really got me. It was like, wow, this is, we're off to this type of start. Okay. Um, yeah. It makes me, you know, think about like, oh, where's the rest of the book going, you know? Um, right. Because he's so down on himself right from the very start. And raw was another word that came to my mind as I'm reading this. Like, Yeah, very much he, so. He writes down things that he's not willing to scratch out, he says. You know, even though he's like, yeah, uh, I wrote it thinking I would sound very witty, you know. But now that I've seen myself that I only wanted to show off in a despicable way, I will not scratch it out on purpose. You know, he, right. he won't even get rid of things that are, like, embarrassing to himself. Yeah. So that's just how raw he's being. Right. No, certainly. And and he's... That's exactly right. And it's there's there's no limiting principle. And we, I think that's what, a lot what you hear in the secular world. People say limiting principle. And really, it's a sense of the sacred. Mm. I mean, and, and these are discussions that... You know, Which is I, different to everybody. Well, in, in a lot of different ways. I think yesterday we were in the podcast and we were talking about um, we were talking about how society will keep going on these moral uh, on these these kind of moral uh, sense these moral uh, uh, markers that we have. Even when the belief yeah. that underpins it ends, the society keeps going. You know, the whole concept of human rights. All right, if you're gonna, if you're talking about what is a human right, right? This is a uniquely Christian concept. All right, so you can, you know, we don't have this re- religious concept that exists on a wide spectrum outside Christianity. So this whole idea that, well, you know, you can't, you have to care about the Uyghurs in China because of human rights, yeah. or you have to care about the poor because of the, of human rights. Like this whole idea of human rights is a very Christian idea. Yeah, yeah. I actually I heard this uh, argument today. Um, a couple guys that had PhDs that were kind of debating back and forth. Yeah. Um, and one of them said that 
you have spiritual and then you have religion. And then you got like religion is like man-made. Like mm. there's no objective right. truth whatsoever. And it's basically just people out for themselves um, in order, like they're trying to manipulate people. I think they basically alluded to just trying to get rich scheme, you know, get, get money to just make people feel better. But spiritual is that journey by yourself towards the objective truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard it described that way. So, yeah, it's interesting that, um, especially when you do, you do, you do, uh, you a deep dive into nihilism, mm. you're always looking, uh, that's true because you can look at religion as a form of, uh, a form or a system. Uh, and so we see that today uh, in our, our world on the left, uh, you know, with people who, you know, we, we say, you know, the, the woke, right? Yeah. So um, the people on the progressive left, uh, they have like their own kind of wokeness. It's a system. All right. So it's a system in a way that they can view the world and they can reconcile the events that happen in their life to their worldview, and they can make decisions on how they want to treat other people, how they want to view certain things. And so you do that by erecting religious systems. And so we have today, we have a, a, a drop in religious belief, uh, but we have a rise in religious belief in secular religion because it is a systematic religious belief like you see uh like you see on the left, and also too on the far right as well. They they both have oh, yeah. their, they both have their their same systematic uh, structures in hey, terms yeah. of like a a, a a a secular religion. But not only that, nihilism also relates to uh, not just man made religion, but also the natural order, hmm. right? And that's part of the Bible as well. I mean, Paul talks about nature, but. The nihilist rejects even this. All right, even the yeah. na- right. Okay, that is it's going beyond. Yeah, when he yeah when he was talking about hair styles, you know, doesn't nature even teach you that it's a shame for a man to have long hair or something like that? Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The first thing that popped in my mind when you said when he invokes nature, right? We're yeah. talking how he invokes, you know, the, the conscience yesterday on yesterday's podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we're going to find out more about that in chapter two. Mm-hmm. He's going to be talking a lot about about the conscious life of a human being. Mm. So we're going to, you know, the, the nihilist, all right, looks even beyond that, even beyond nature. So social values, they're not connected to religious belief. They're not connected to God. So uh, these values are not connected to nature so for example a a biologist may not believe in god but he may point to nature and say well you know because of nature or because of this that the other thing that this is makes perfect sense that uh that this would be the case you know we have uh, for example evolutionary biology that leads into like evolutionary psychology and they explain a lot of human behavior that's done through nature and done through you know this whole nature versus nurture argument the nihilist, uh, we can see this here in the first chapter, the nihilist goes beyond all that. I mean, he's leaving all that behind. Yeah. For a minute there, I thought you were going to say uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I get curious. I decided to look up some of his stuff last night, and I'm watching his views on, on God. And for as smart as that man is, the ending, his end-all, be-all statement. Yeah. And and. 
it's it's like this thing is canned data to him at this point. Right. Because he said the same thing in three different interviews. He says, you know, I try to reconcile a all-loving God with all these disasters that happen in the world today, and I just can't make that happen in my mind. Mm. Like, that's your best argument? Like, have you not read the Bible? Like, I mean, you, right. my kids know the story of the ark. Really? Right. <laughs> like, why don't you know the story behind that at all? Like, for for as intelligent as that guy is, that guy was able to figure out that if you take, if you took the world and you shrunk it down to the size of a cue ball, it would be smoother than any cue ball ever machined. Mm. Because he said that, you know, we're so many miles in diameter, but he said you have the tallest point in the world, Everest, and then the Mariana Trench, which is the lowest point in the world. Yeah. And he said between those two, you only have, I can't remember what it is, like 21 miles or something. I don't remember exactly the number. Sure. But it's a small number compared small, to the yeah. actual diameter of the Earth. Yeah. He said, so if you took it and shrunk it down, you'd have the smoothest surface pretty much ever. Right. And you, know, you wouldn't be able to feel it. Um, He said like a globe, you know, you... You ever like run your finger across Nepal on a globe and you can feel the little bumps? He's like, that is so inaccurate. Yeah. That's not even close. But you got this guy that's that smart and his end all be all when it comes to God is Yeah. Well, I just can't reconcile an all loving God and then, you know, him letting tornadoes happen and earthquakes happen. What? <laughs> What's where do these people come from? Yeah, you know, it's it's it, it's it's interesting because you're talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah, and you could very well be talking about the Underground Man. I mean, probably not in this chapter. I mean, probably chapter number two. But it, it's it's interesting, and you should huh. bring it back. You'll have to bring that back up again. We'll have huh. to we'll have to have a little bit more discussion about this. But it's really fascinating how because in, in chapter number two we're talking about consciousness, and then is that it's one thing to. It's one thing to have an objective action, right? Yeah. And then it's another thing to have an objective action where you're always conscious of another converse action, right? So if you're if you're hungry and you say, okay, I'm hungry. So you go out and you cook yourself a, a steak. Hey, it's pretty nice, right? It's a steak. That's decent. So you're going to, you cook up the steak and you're, you're, you're eating it up and, and this is great. It's the best steak you've ever had, right? Tastes like more. Got it. Okay. Yep. So... <laughs> You're well aware. So the the man of consciousness becomes aware instantaneously that somewhere in the world, somebody's sitting in a one-bedroom apartment eating dinty more, and then there's another person in, who's sitting in a mud pit, and they're starving to death. And so no matter how much steak you eat, you're always going to contrast that with the starving person in the mud pit. That's terrible. Well, I mean, it it, it's ter- <laughs> it might be terrible, but it's a way of living, all right? Yep. And so that's a way of living contrasted with uh, the direct man or, you know, what he's going to call, uh, you know, he's going to call the... Um, man of action. The man of action, man, yeah. the man of action, right? Man of action is not affected. You know, man of action, you need steak, steak great, right? Yeah. He'll have two steaks. Yeah, hey, I'll have two steaks. It'll be even better. He ain't right? worried about what's happening in Somalia. Yeah, right, exactly. Nope. So there's really a difference there in terms of how that affects a person and 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 how that's uh, what that means and it's so funny because Neil deGrasse Tyson is a scientist and you know in order to perfect that scientific 
world. I think I know where you're going, and yeah. Yeah, but you, you need, <laughs> don't you need, you need to be able to have controlled experiments within a, within a, a, a controlled environment. And like you know, the underground man makes this point in this book. I mean, we're hey, you can't control a human being, right? Mm-mm. So, like, what kind of experiment you think you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're gonna say, well, I can't enjoy this. Uh, I can't. I can't believe in God because bad things happen, or I can't enjoy the state because someone else is 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 not. So, what are you gonna do? You're not gonna believe in God, and then you're gonna start conducting experiments on human betterment. Because you can say, hey, if a human turns into a piano key, well, then we're going to be able to make everything a lot better. You know? Try, trying to say Dostoevsky's underground man is smarter than Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well, I don't know. I think he's probably more aware of his surroundings <laughs> than Neil deGrasse Tyson because uh, the underground man sees it and he's got no filter. I mean, he's putting it out there. And, um, you know, it takes a bit of work to unearth it. Uh, and you can do the work yourself, or you can just, you know, tune into, you know, Blunderground Railroad and, and help you out. But, man, <laughs> I, I, I'm, it blows your mind. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who knew, you know? The underground man of the current age. <laughs> yeah, that, that dude is literally underground. I, I, uh, I, and not in the sense of, like, respect, like we would we would think, but just... I, I lost all respect for him when he said that. I just was like, what? Like, okay, you are simply an academic. That is it. Like, I draw the line right. of your intelligence right there. It's starkly drawn. I mean, like, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Sure, everywhere else. Bible, no. Not even close. Right, oh, yeah. It's like, wow, how but, you know, it's so, so smart there. But. Yeah, I know, I know. It's so funny when you you talk to, you talk like an academic type, and you say, you say, well, you know, you should read the Bible sometime. And they always go, oh, I've definitely read the Bible. I've read, you read the Bible? Oh, my they goodness. Go, they go, oh, I've read the Bible. You go, and then you think like, okay, like, um, like so like, uh, and then you're like, okay, so you've read it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You've invested all the time to look into the history and to the, uh, the, the, the interaction between the books. And you've taken the time to speak to believers and you've, you've looked at the different variations and you've given it all sorts of thought. But, yep, I've read the Bible. Uh, is, oh, yeah, absolutely. No is problem. it worth it to even, you know, quiz them at that point? Oh, man, but that's the thing is, you know, people will also, you know, and you can say to somebody, you can say, you can say to somebody, you can say, hey, sweetheart, can you run to the store and grab a bag of Cheetos because I'm really hungry? You know, like this is the hardest thing in the world to do, right? But you can knock on somebody's door and ask them if they read the Bible. Oh, no problem. I've read the Bible, right? I got that down, right? No worries. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody's all set. I don't know about y'all's town, but everybody is all set where we're from. Trust right. me. Everyone's read it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh cover to cover. Oh, absolutely. All well, set. Who, who hasn't? Oh. We got a big old town headed for heaven. Here. Man. <laughs> Oh man, so uh, it is. So it is interesting that way. Yeah. So the um, yeah the uh, so the underground man. So he's marked by a couple things. All right. So the first thing he's marked on is contradictions and paradoxes. Not not a few. I meant not. It's <laughs> not not a few. Um, contradictions and and I think that we have. We have a lot of contradictions in our own world today, and so, you know, you can hear us talk about them. And on notes from Blunderground, mm-hmm. we try to pick out what we can see. But here, I mean, this is taken to the extreme. And he says, uh, for example, here in, in uh, I have it highlighted. I am well educated enough not to be superstitious. Yeah. Immediately following, but I am superstitious. Right. Right. This, for these reasons, is why. I ha- I've never taken longer to read. I think four pages in my life. <laughs> like, 
It was like reading the King James for the very first time. Right, sure. You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, what sure. did I just read? Right, sure. He, uh, everywhere. And and the next line here, he says, no, I refuse to consult a doctor from spite. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, his liver's disease. But doesn't he say, but then I think he says, he says, my liver's disease. No, wait, it's not. Wait, yeah. maybe it's not my liver. And then I need to see a doctor. No, I'm not going to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he, I think he claims that he's not spiteful. Yeah. He does. Yeah, and yet then he immediately just applies spite, so we spiteful anyway. Yeah. He says, I was lying when yes. I said just now that I was a spiteful official. I was lying from spite. What? Can someone break that down for me? Right, yes, he <laughs> says, that's exactly right. He says he was lying from spite. So he is spiteful, yet he's not spiteful. And What? But wait. Slow down. But wait. Smaller words. Okay. <laughs> so he lied. Okay. So he lies because he wants to say he's spiteful at the right time, in the right way, in the right place. But he's honest enough to admit to himself that it's a lie. It's more of a narrative than it is anything else. However, the reason that he sacrifices his true feelings for the lie is because he's spiteful, therefore making the lie real. Yeah, I read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's That's a lot. as clear as it's going to get. Sure, I mean, probably. Yeah, I would think so, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah you're, I don't think you're really going to get clearer than that. No. <laughs> he, um, and, you know, again, we, we can work all this through and, and stick with us, and, and this is an interesting little mystery to unravel. So it all makes sense eventually? Um. Yeah. Okay. I mean, in a matter of sorts. I mean, oh, I think that, right. uh, I think that we're gonna we're gonna see the results of what happens here. You know, when you you're pushing this determinism and this materialism, this nihilism, you're pushing it all the way to its logical conclusion, and you're gonna see that people, because people do this all the time. I mean, right? In our modern day and age, people are are uh, people live on a narrative, right? They they want to say the right things in the right way at the right time, and then they. Stop talking about my Facebook account. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's exactly that's exactly right, and that's that's where I see it the most, anyways. Yeah, uh, I I know you're on on Twitter quite a bit, but I think I think Twitter is one of the places where you can just you can just be you know you can be that person you want to be face to face with people, but you know you never will be. For for most people, they can they're just willing to put it out there, like. Um, no different, really, than when they're driving, I'm driving down the road, and it's like uh, they think they got some sense of security between them and and whoever's next to them because they're they're in a car, they're right. behind a computer screen. You can say whatever you want. Sure. This guy doesn't look like he's gonna care where he is. Uh, the only thing that I saw in here, I saw two things. I saw that one, he overthinks everything. Everything. And that. Is what I thought. I was like, okay, that's his, this guy's problem for sure. But he said something really interesting that I had to highlight here. He said, it was not only that I could not become spiteful, I did not know how to become anything, neither spiteful nor kind, neither a rascal nor an honest man, neither a hero nor an insect. Now I am living out my life in my corner, taunting myself with the spiteful and useless consolation that an intelligent man cannot become anything seriously. I'm like, wow. So, like, 
you're sitting there in your corner, mm-hmm. you know, just ruminating on everything, everything, beating yourself up. And this is horrible. Well, you know, this is again. It, it it really kind of brings it all together, all right? You know, like you were saying to me before, like, you know, use, you are saying use real language. Like everything, what we were talking about with Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah. and what we're talking about with this overthinking, yeah. it all leads to the same place, indecision, right? Right. So if you, you have a steak, right? But you're not able to enjoy it because you know that Dinty Moore and starvation exist. And at the same time, uh, at the same time, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? You have, uh, you have a belief in God. You have that, you have that need, that hole in the human heart. And yet, at the same time, Neil deGrasse Tyson's like every time he thinks of the majesty of God, he thinks about tornadoes and natural disasters. Yeah, he's got a he's right. got a roadblock in front of him. Yeah, that. so he's not able to move forward. Okay, he's not right. able to move forward because he has these contradictory thoughts. Well, yeah. the underground man has the same problem. All right, and, and it's no different. And here from chapter one. Mm-hmm. I was conscious every moment in myself yep. of many, very many elements absolutely op- opposite to that. I felt them positively swarming in me, these opposite elements, right? I felt them absolutely swarming in me, these opposite elements. Every time he sees something good and beautiful, yep. he lurches towards the dastardly right right and every time that he is you know every time that he's 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 dastardly then he can he he wants to go back to this good and beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah and he he talks about that corner again Mm. towards the end of the chapter and it almost seemed like he couldn't get he couldn't get back to that corner quick enough you know uh somebody um, a distant relative, you know, left him yeah. six thousand rubles. That's right. And he says immediately, he immediately retired from the service and settled down in my corner. And uh, he says, I used to live in this corner before, mm. but now I've settled down in it. So like, yeah. he realized he had to go to work. I think at one point he actually said he he went to work just so he could eat. You know, right. So he never really liked being out anyway. Right. He's always looked down on people when he's out, mm-hmm. um, and thought he was smarter than everybody. Always. You know. Uh. So he had this world view that he just was like uncomfortable with everybody, and finally he saw a chance to get back in that corner and scurried back into it. But it's kind of, kind of miserable. Keep yourself there. Yeah, I mean. You know? Yeah, to keep yourself in the corner. Yeah, like how do you? I think they'd prescribe a medication today if you were that type of person that just had these thoughts that just were all consuming and, you know, you just sat there and ruminated on them, you know? Well, the thing is, is he says he's, he's taunting himself, right? i living out my life in my corner, taunting myself with the spiteful and useless consolation that an intelligent man cannot become anything seriously, and it is only the fool mm-hmm. who becomes anything. Mm-hmm. All right, and it all comes down... To, it all comes down to the action, all right, to the consequences, right? The man, so direct action, direct action implies that either you are not aware of the consequences or you are aware of the consequences and you welcome them or you don't care about them, all right? So, uh, and we've all either done that ourselves or we know people that have done that. Guilty. Yeah, I, I think we all are. <laughs> the, the the underground man is a different animal. Like in this, the consciousness, 
that he has keeps him from acting. He says, mm. he says, I did not know how to become anything, neither spiteful nor kind, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to become anything because as soon as there is a realization, there is the opposite realization. Yeah. Right. And we would call this overthinking. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, again, yeah. So if you were to say to the underground man, well, you should stop overthinking all the time. Right. Uh, you know, maybe take a little green tea or take this little purple pill or whatever <laughs> it is. Right. And so you can tell him that. But the underground man is going to say, well, first of all, overthinking, like, I don't want to be, he doesn't want to be the man of action. And then number two is he's probably going to have about 15 reasons that he doesn't want to take green tea nor the purple pill. So, you know, it doesn't really, you know, and he's going to give you these. But the dialogue, always there. The reasons, always there. The consciousness, overwhelming. The paradox, all-encompassing. Yep. But one thing that doesn't happen is action. Never. No, never. Never, ever. You know, and and this is that, uh, we mentioned it in our introductory podcast. Uh, We talked about the major themes in the book. Authentic community versus abstract thinking. Yeah. Right? You know, so we have, you know, authentic community. And it can be something as simple as go to your room, you know, or are you okay? Yeah. Uh, Or it can be something that is far more, uh, far more larger or eloquent. But, you know, authentic community in a real community where, you know, people are expected to do things and you're expected to take a part and people have a vested interest in what, you can do what your talents are because they relate back to the community, right? I mean, if you have a, a lost kid in a community is a lost opportunity. It's a lost job. It's yeah. a lost, uh, it, it, it's a lost opportunity. Um, it could be a lost family, right? right? So th- there's a lot there that that's very important. And when you begin to disconnect from that, right? When you begin to disconnect from that, you don't have an authentic community. You don't have a real community. Then Everything begins, you begin to emphasize the abstract, right? Right. And so, for example, and I, Rick, you're sitting here not being very fair to Neil deGrasse Tyson today, but, you, you know, if you're, you spend your life- Only in, in one respect. I've, hey, I gave the guy his due regard in astrophysics or- There you go. Physicist or whatever. Sure. Right? I, the guy, I don't know if he discovered the God particle or something. Why is he famous other than he's ridiculously smart? Um... Yeah, I don't really know. Like, no other scientist that I know, like Bill Nye the Science Guy is famous, but uh, uh, yeah. just for, you know, some children's program. But yeah, I, I don't know why he's famous. I don't know. I, I probably, gave him his, his due record. I've spent more I've spent more time talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson today than I think the combined amount of time in every moment previous to this. Same. You'll have to excuse me for my YouTube uh, you Oh, know, yeah, right. Dives. No, no, it's all right. No, there you go. <laughs> bring it on, right? No, bring it I, on. I just, I like, I'm I'm a, I'm a right down the middle type of guy. Sure. I like to hear everybody's argument. Sure. So I'm like, I want to know what this supposedly really smart guy thinks about God. <laughs> and I got to the end and I'm like, I could have listened to Bert and Ernie and got a better, yeah. you know, uh, exposition on, on on the thoughts of God. And the creator of the universe. Like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, there's a. I think when you you spend a lot of time in, in in academia and then you're in that world, it gets easier. You know, you get disconnected from yeah. you know from from a community. It gets easier to abstract things. Yeah. And when you're everything is abstracted, you know, it's not just the original thing that gets distracted that gets yeah. abstracted. Everything gets abstracted. You know, you'd say, um, you know. Do I want to? Um, do I want to eat? No. Uh, why don't I want to eat? You know, because I don't feel well. Why don't I feel well? Because I did too much yesterday. Well, why is that? Well, because of 
you know, the town or because of this or because of that. And then you can just keep going and you can give yourself reasons for everything. Every so, time one of my teenagers makes up an excuse, I'm just going to call it underground man in it. There's <laughs> <laughs> underground man in it again with the homework. That's it. No, you see, your kids are going to be reading this book and they're going to go, man, I can't wait to argue with dad next time. You'll be arguing with the underground. You'll be arguing with this dude for the rest if of your life. If my kids can read this book, they can take the GED test tomorrow. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I had trouble with chapter one, and I got a college degree. <laughs> oh man, you um, you know, so I think that when you're abstracting like that, it becomes impossible to stop. Oh, if, if you take it to that extreme, yeah, yeah, to that extreme, sure. I mean, every one of us has a stopping point, you know. Just yeah, different, I guess. But you know, it's really interesting though, and uh, you brought this up before, and and I, I didn't mean to drop it. It was a great point that you made. The underground man doesn't really drop it either because he. Is you know okay being conscious right? The underground man is acutely aware of people. Okay, he's not stupid. He's oh, not yeah. dumb, and he's not he's not unaware. The reason that he's this way is because he is aware, right? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, for example, right, he's writing here. This is autobiographical, so he's writing it down. Yep. Right. Yep. He's aware, like, of the audience. So, the underground man is. In a hole. I mean, he's in a basement. He's 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 underground. Right. And yet, he is acutely aware of his readers. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, he's readers, and and I, and I do understand. I understand how Dostoevsky himself is intertwined. Sure. With you know, with this character, um, he did, and I will say this too: is that a lot of times in his books, Dostoevsky was not he was not unaware that pe- that people could you know read into some of these dialogues. So a lot of these characters are taken to the extreme or they do ridiculous things. You know, I think you'll see this in the second half of the book, you know, when once we get there, mm-hmm. is that, you know, they, they do these ridiculous things and that's actually meant to put some distance between Dostoevsky's own thoughts and the thoughts of the character. There's still some similarities there. You know, a lot of these ideas that the underground man is, is throwing out there obviously come from the author. The, the author... And consequently, the underground man, they're acutely aware of their audience. You know, like the underground man is desperate for their approval. Yeah. I mean, it seems so. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that's part of why he doesn't want to go out is he doesn't identify with anybody that's out there, you know, doesn't feel like they're as, as smart as him, you know. Right. Um. So he's he, that'll make you feel alone right there. You know, and if you're that conscious, I mean, you're probably socially awkward and don't fit in anywhere. Um, yeah, that's true. Know, if you can't make a make a decision on anything, um, what are you supposed to be? What are how are you going to blend with society whatsoever? I mean, he himself said that he couldn't wait to get back to his corner. You know. Yeah, I know he does. So, I mean, we're people. We're we're meant to be with other people. So. Yeah. It's kind of a depressing thing, and I've said that from the first sentence that I was like, "Yeah, this is this this is not starting off good." No, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. So. But you notice though, he doesn't spite his audience. You know, he spites the doctor, he spites pretty much everybody. I mean, he spites his own opinions. 
Right, yeah. It's, he, almost, it's almost like, he's right, he, says, like he wants to be pitied or something, huh? Yeah, you know, in a way. like it, It's kind of like he says to himself, he says, okay, I'm 40 and you should live beyond 40 uh-huh. and it's not polite to live after 40. But then immediately after, he's like, I'm going to live till 60. I'm going to live till 70, you know? And then... <laughs> I right. believe he puts down the elderly somewhere. Yeah, no, I do it. And then he does. He puts down the elderly, right? Yeah. Yeah, I tell all men that to their face, all these venerable old men, all these silver-haired and reverend seniors. Yeah. Right. I was I like, tell, whoa. Yeah, man, I tell the whole world that to its face. This guy's not going witnessing at the nursing home. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you, um, he says, uh, and, you know, he talks about amusing. He says it here. He's talking to them. You imagine, no doubt, gentlemen, that I want to amuse you. You're mistaken in that too, right? And he says, you know, and he's he's just talking to them, but he wants them. He wants their engagement. He, he's, I like I like the underground a little more with your accent there. <laughs> I do. Oh, oh, you do. You, you like just you just made him come to life for me, and I like that. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> if you could just continue that for the rest of how many ever chapters we got, oh, sure, that would really be a blessing oh, to sure. me and everybody else. I think. Oh, no problem. Let me just put a little string on my pinky finger. <laughs> okay, I well, thought that was great. <laughs> oh, hey, thanks. Get that on repeat there. Yeah. So. <laughs> the um, yeah. So uh, there's really a lot here. You know the the contradictions, the uh, the indecisions, the paradoxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many paradoxes for him, and where you would think that, you know, he's really turning this thing on his head because scientifically, you're supposed to be able to have academia that knowledge and the more knowledge you have the more the more the closer you are supposed to be to progress the more you relate to progress mm-hmm. and so th- this this chapter is it's all wrong you know that the underground man is very conscious mm-hmm. and he's he's got a lot of thoughts yeah. you know kicking around there and yet this is a guy who can't make up his mind about anything he, he can't make a decision and, and so if you're going to draw some sort of culture or society that's going to be traced around these things. Yeah. Like this nihilism. I mean, how is that going to happen? You're, you're not going to be able to run any sort of experiment to, 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 to improve your life. No. Somebody got to make a decision somewhere. Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> like so, I, I even tell my kids that make an executive decision. Right. Yeah. Don't ask me about every little thing. Jeez. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. How know bad you could you mess things up? Oh, never mind. You know what? Ask me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. So, um, but yeah, no, it's exactly right. And so, uh, you know, this sense of you know, there's no human condition. You know, there's no you know, no human rights in this world. Mm-hmm. So there's only the right thing to do. I mean, like, how are you going to make? Because the underground man is ta- is going to eventually talk about humans as piano keys, right? Humans as quantifiable things that can make the right decision and move closer towards a utopia, which was the thought in Russia at the time. And how are you going to be able to do that if you have this problem where you have this constant contradiction and this constant indecision that's made from too much thinking and too much awareness and too much consciousness? I have no idea, but I think that's the point. Probably, probably. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about chapter number two, uh, which is about consciousness and about the problem of consciousness. Uh, And that ought to be very interesting. So looking forward to that. Can't wait. All right. Thank you for joining us today on the Bundaground Railroad. And we appreciate you. And we will talk to you next time for chapter number two, Notes from Underground. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Bundaground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance 
to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time.